Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Strong smell of cheese. Oh, it's a very powerful smell of cheese. Yeah, that's because we were sent some cheese uh, by. Well, I don't think we're allowed to say, but thank you very much, though. Probably Lovely people say. at Mm-mm and Mm-mm who also delivered to the king. Do they? Yes. So mm. even as we speak, they might be settling down for a chunk of that cheddar. Well, we're learning some quite interesting things about the king and queen from Robert Hardman's new autobiography. And Robert's going to be on the programme on Thursday, which means that... Is it this Thursday, Eve? Yeah. Is it? Okay. We, we've got our preview copies of the book. Right. Well, gosh. Yeah. That's Wednesday cancelled, isn't well, I don't it? Want, it's, I, it's a I chunky have, book. I'm hurrying home to enjoy it. Uh, but he has revealed some little tidbits already, one of them being that the Queen possibly wasn't thrilled about Harry and Meghan calling their daughter Lilibet. But the one that I really, really love is the apparent, alleged, shall we say, uh, nickname for Camilla before she became Queen. Uh, she was called by her family, her close family, Lorraine. Not because, not after... And you see, you're... Our si- Lorraine. Yeah, exactly. You're thinking, listening to this at home or wherever you are, our Lorraine, uh, you know, host of the early morning... Yeah, fantastic you, sofa thing. If you don't live in the UK, it's yeah, Lorraine Kelly. Oh, I Lorraine, mean, she's Lorraine she's Kelly. absolutely she's queen of the she daytime is. TV sofas, and she's been doing that show for four hundred and seventy five years. And she doesn't look like she has. Certainly she's fresh not. every day. She's from Dundee. Yep. Uh, but it's not that Lorraine. It's La Rain. Yeah. It's sort of half funny. E I N E. Uh, is it half funny? I don't think it's brilliant. I think it's quite a nice. I think it's quite a, a nice kind of nugget of normal. Yeah. I had a conversation once with her son. What, it, Lorraine Kelly? No, just the queen. Oh, okay. Uh, it went as follows. Can I take that chair? I said, yes, you can. Right. Okay. <laughs> but I bet he was polite about Very it. polite. Absolutely. Yeah, he was very polite. He was in a pub in Shepherd's Bush. That's nice. There we go. Uh, right. Um, so it is Tuesday and it's, a per- can I just say, London has been enjoying the most perfect winter's weather, hasn't it? So it's cold. It's a, it was very cold. Really cold, but brilliant sunshine, wonderful blue sky. Everything just looks magnifico. Uh, and I don't mind, I mean, you know, I can afford my heating bills, so that's okay. I don't mind the cold when it looks like this. It's brilliant. But it's those days when it's just savage, unremitting, 
freezing rain and grey skies that I can't live with. Yeah, no, I, I mean, who does? No. Is, if there's anybody out there who wakes up in a dreary grey morning and goes, yay! Yay! <laughs> oh, is that quite unusual Fun times. to feel like that? The um, the big fat fox was back on our artificial grass the other day. First thing in the morning, I noticed this horrible sod. But also, the West London parakeets are back. Um, oh, aren't they just? They are all over the place. I saw quite a few of them on my neighbour's roof the other morning. And these are the parakeets that are. I mean, it's a myth. I think escaped from Ealing Studios because of the film The African Queen. I think that is, is that a, a is that a myth? I think that is it's a, a great myth, story. But it's lovely. Yeah, and it's their descendants really lovely. still cheerily fly around the London area. I probably think Bert and Bertha were keeping some parakeets mm, and right. one flew out the window. No. So a friend of mine, Petra, she found a canary in the street. A little canary or budgery guard. What? Someone had dumped a canary. Yeah, in the street. Well it had obviously just escaped or whatever. Oh. Uh, and she took it home. This has a happy ending, the yes. story, because I can't deal with any heartbreak. She took it home and clawed, uh, the name that they gave the Budgery Gargonary, yeah. has been uh, a very happy addition to their family for, I think, about four years now. But isn't that a lovely thing to do? Because I suspect if I saw a uh, canary in the street, I, I probably wouldn't try and catch it and take care of it and take it home. Well, I wouldn't be able to. Did she catch it? Encase it in her hands? Yes. Hands. Yep. She just in. stayed with it until it was calm enough to be able to be scooped up. Be scooped up. And uh, and Claude has lived a lovely life with them. He's quite often flying free in yep. Yes. My my gran used to do that with her budgie. I was never entirely at ease with well, that. Well, I mean the anyway. obvious question is, yeah, you know, well quite. Yeah. Are, are they, you know, is that a piece of black pepper <laughs> on my it, eggs? Or, or is it drop? Claude's poop? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I've not been to dinner since. <laughs> but it's a lovely story. Well done. It's very, very positive. Mm. Have you seen the story in the Times today? Young miss out when older colleagues work from home. No. <laughs> this is something. Are that, you delighting in the um, fact that, uh, that the older people have won something, Jane? This is the Education Secretary, a lady called Gillian Keegan, uh, who has, was speaking at an event uh, think, run by a think tank. I think you and I, when we retire from broadcasting, we should establish a think tank. It's a good idea. <laughs> what would we call it? Well, let's ponder on that. <laughs> yeah, okay, we'll put that on the back. Why don't we just call it that? <laughs> let's ponder on that. Speaking at an event run by the Ponder on That think tank. <laughs> it works. Uh, uh, Keegan said, employees learn a great deal from seeing meetings and thing, seeing how things are done. Oh, how true that is. I worry about... a big What? Asked whether she was worried about young people not learning from their seniors. Keegan said, I do worry about it. Although I think it's shifting a little bit back to an equilibrium. You can go into an office like this and there's virtually nobody there, she says, speaking to a very small audience, presumably if she did. <laughs> <laughs> stuck it into the room <laughs> just to discover to our horror that no one had rocked up and I, don't worry darling i'm sure it was being broadcast online so you're all right but no the young people they pick up something from us every single day don't they <laughs> they do you can feel they sometimes don't show it but you sense that they're aware that we've said something with little dollop of wisdom which they're just gonna squirrel away and use on another occasion yes yeah uh, i really <laughs> believe that. i have to believe that i have to. so i think sometimes you know when there's a bit of a kind of pause in the conversation and somebody's looking at a screen I think I could pretty much guarantee they're just looking up something we've said because <laughs> it just makes so little sense to them yeah, yeah. some kind of name or some
some TV reference. Oh, and yeah. I'm thinking I need to Google that. But that's fair enough. You didn't watch Gladiators, did you? No, I yeah, didn't. I'm not watch Gladiators. Bloody rubbish. Rubbish the first time. I'm not going to watch it now. No. So I've got on, on the TV deck at the moment, uh, Traitors is being mm. watched. Uh, Vera's being watched. But I think there were only two Veras. I don't no, know. I think there's a couple more. Okay. So they're, they're okay. They're not, as, they're not as good as peak Vera. I, I, Joe's I re- back. Joe's back and uh, heavily bearded. Um, and Vera had a toothache in the one I watched last night. To be honest, I haven't actually finished it, but I thought it was rather a good plot. Anyway, uh, we, uh, what, oh, that reminds me. Somebody I mentioned last week, and I'm sorry, I forgot, lost the email, um, I was, that I was reading God in Ruins by Kate Atkinson, yeah. which is an amazing book. But it does have a significantly weird ending, which I hadn't been expecting. Someone wrote in to say, will you please tell us what you think of the ending when you get to it. Well, I got to it on Saturday on a train. and I actually, there was a woman sitting opposite me with curlers in, which is, I mean, nothing wrong with that. She was obviously on her way to a big night out in London. I was getting a train back from Liverpool on Saturday evening. You do see that quite a lot. People are getting ready for a, for a night. Uh, and I just wanted to go over to her and say, oh my God, you won't believe this. I've just finished. But I don't think she'd have been that interested. So, so I didn't tell her. No, okay. Um, but it was—it's an incredible end to that book. So highly recommended. But it does leave you, let's say, thinking. Okay, that's good to know. Mm. I think Kate Atkinson is one of those writers who can do that. Because you know, sometimes when there's a with very, you. very, very surprising ending, and you actually just think you couldn't think of anything else to put there, <laughs> so you've done something weird. She welcome the dream. It's all been a dream. Yeah. Um, uh, we should mention if we're talking about books uh, that book club number four it is underway. It's Helen Thurston's An Elderly Lady Is Up to No Good. Uh, it's quite a short book, so some of you have already submitted your reviews. Uh, my copy has slightly yet to arrive, uh, but then I'll be. Are we meant to organise these the, ourselves? I'm a very busy lady. No, I think they're, they're on their way. Are they? Okay, so, wonderful. Uh, but keep all of your thoughts coming in and we'll talk about it in about a month's time. We need to cough. <laughs> oh, dear. Okay. <coughs> Do you know what? It's the free cheese. Slightly <laughs> <laughs> come back to haunt me. Um, I'm carrying my Stilton home with me on the train, and I am it, it, obviously it's been oh, it really out stuff. of its bag for quite some time now. Yeah. Uh, will I be popular? Do you think? Well, you you go home on quite a busy line, so I think that's a good thing. People will move away from you. <laughs> yep, it's not. It's you've got a blue cheese. It's not a pleasant smell at all. No, I love it though. I, it's one of those things that as you get older, you realise you're drawn to these very strong tastes that would have utterly revolted you when you were younger. But there's something about heavily veined blue cheese. It reminds me of my legs. I think, oh, yes. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> my legs. My varicose veins. <coughs> oh, dear. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Don't say that. Right. Are you back in the room? I'm back in the room. It's because I've just started one of my nicotine minis. Yeah. Um, I didn't realise how smug I sounded, says Anonymous, uh, when I wrote about staying in a castle <laughs> for Christmas. Sorry about that. Listen, we're not... Rem- I-, I thought it was very impressive, actually. I should have added context, she says, which is that I was the listener who wrote in before Christmas and was worried about getting through yet another one without my family, uh, or any family, she says. Cancelling the whole idea of it and having something to look forward to for New Year instead was quite transformative for me, she says. So um, we absolutely... Um, um, in no way thought you sounded smug. Honestly, we were just jealous. And I'm really glad you had a decent Christmas. Uh, she goes on to say, on this topic of porn, which you're discussing this week, I've just never watched it. That's not interesting in itself, but the thing I find weird is that absolutely nobody believes me, even though it's completely true. Is that unusual? I've got a good visual imagination, 
and it's just never appealed to me. Um, no, I, I absolutely believe her. Well, I believe you too, and I don't yeah. think it's unusual. No. I think especially in our generation, yeah. it's not unusual at all. I suppose that's one of the reasons why we're talking about it now, because uh, it just seems to be a norm for our kids mm. now. So, you know, a big thing has changed. Uh, but Anne, uh, who says, Anne from Somerset here, been a loyal listener since the early days in the other place. I've occasionally thought about writing in, but haven't. But your call for anyone to contact you who's not used porn or felt the need to use it made me think, especially as for the first time, it made me think I don't want to listen to discussion on this subject. But it's good to open the mind, so I will listen despite feeling uncomfortable. Um, I've never used porn. I don't understand why people do. Um, perhaps I will be enlightened. How anyone, male or female, who respects human life can think porn is acceptable is a mystery to me. For me, it's a bit like drugs. Not sure where or how to use it. And Anne goes on to say, your podcast often makes me realise what a great life I have, but equally has also made me ask myself, am I boring? What have I been doing with my life? But I have a great life. It's not always been easy and it's needed hard work. I'm married to the same chap, have been for 32 years. I've got a lovely home, me good health, him okay-ish health. We are by choice child-free. I've had good work-life balances with successful careers, so no real money worries as we graduate into retirement. I'm 60 next year. Am I easily satisfied or naive, or generally should we all stop wanting everything, be kinder and have respect for all? I'm no saint, but I do think as a nation we need a reset. Now, do you know what, Anne? I think that's a great email. Yes, I thought it was just it was just so lovely. And of of course you're not easily satisfied or naive or boring or haven't done anything with the life. What a lovely, lovely life to have led. And I'm sure that you have come across lots of things because, you know, you reference there have been challenges along the way. And maybe you're one of those wonderful people who haven't dwelt on the challenges and have cracked on and really relished all of the good things. But honestly, you know, I'm envious of that life. I think that sounds absolutely lovely. Yeah. And to not hugely regret any choices, I think, is a great place to be. Fantastic. And it's really lovely that you wrote in with that. Yeah, and I don't think uh, that she's alone. I hope she isn't. I think there are loads of well, us. She's married. She's a happily married woman. <laughs> I'm I'm a deeply dull individual myself, and I embrace it. Um, I mean, honestly, I've got to this evening. I've got trust to, me, she really is. No, I know. <laughs> this evening, I've got. <laughs> she's not making it up for effect. <laughs> I'm absolutely not. Some people are a bit affected. Not me. Not in this department. Anyway, I've got relatively clean sheets. I've got uh, Robert Hardman's book to read. You've got all of your cardboard cutouts of your previous presenter friends downstairs in your basement. And I've got beans on toast for tea. Lovely. And, um, so, I, I mean, I think we need... Anne, it was Anne, wasn't yeah. it? We need to get, it uh, that capacity for contentment is hugely underrated. And she mustn't berate herself because she's got no interest in porn. Good luck to her. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Yep. And, uh, no, I completely agree. And your contentment is different to other people's contentment. Yeah, because we're all different. So when you realise that that is the sensation you're having, stop, because that's it. That's yeah. about as, that's yeah, as, yeah. it's just as good as it gets, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Uh, so. Can we do another? I love this. This is from Ali. Uh, ladies, read your wolf whistle story. I was once walking to work past a rowdy building site filled with blokes. Well, of course, I steeled myself. I just knew something was going to happen. They'd call out or hassle me or tease me as I went past. That didn't happen, actually. Instead, one of them said, You have the most beautiful hair. And that was it. <laughs> I think, oh, sorry. 
I love listening from Sydney, says Ali. Australia, that's, that's in Australia. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, two women on air, she says, sad it's so revolutionary. I always say when male journalists get to 40, they stop asking questions and start making statements. <laughs> Unfair, but a little true. Ali, I have to be honest and say that I don't think you can just apply that uh, to male journalists. I think, I think a lot of us have the, um, let's say, the ability to over overstuff our questions with just our sheer knowledge <laughs> i know i do that and i'm i'm very very aware of it so ali i'm i'm not i do think women do that too i just want to own it terry uh, lived in tokyo for two years in the early 2000s and at that time westerners were still a kind of novelty there and quite regularly japanese people would compare people to famous western people they knew of my japanese boss once said to me and uh, I still don't know if she meant it as a compliment. You look a lot like Emma Thompson. Attractive, but not at all sexy. <laughs> <laughs> I've never known entirely how to take that, especially as I really don't look anything like Emma Thompson. And at the time the comment was made, uh, there's about 15 years difference between me and Emma. Anyway, it does always make me laugh, although I never did think I was sexy. I do think often this confirmed it for me. Uh, I love your podcast in a house of three teenage sons and a husband uh, this is often my reliable female input of the day do you know what i would really love to hear from more women who live in all male households i think that is is such a thing mm. and just amongst friends a couple of friends who have exactly that combination actually four men and them i know at times in their lives they found that really challenging Yes, well, you want to get my sister on this subject of... Has she got all men? Two sons, husband, and a, I'm going to say a quite unattractive cat called Percy. God, you see, she could have got a female... Why didn't I, she get I a female cat? I, I don't know. I don't That's know. That's really interesting, because when I got Nance, the dog, the greyhound, I was absolutely, absolutely certain I was not going to have... I, did, I just did... I just, it was just too much. I didn't want another penis in the house, <laughs> So, uh, I think Emma Thompson's very sexy, so I would take that as a compliment because I think oh, yeah. she was wrong to say that you weren't sexy, but also that is quite funny when someone says that you look like someone who you really don't look like at all. Well, you do know, don't you, that the very good um, studio engineer we had the other day thought that you and I were sisters. Yes, I do know that. <laughs> I do know which one of us was more upset. <laughs> I don't know. Oh. I was delighted. Uh, premium bonds. Uh, thank you for your wonderful show on Times Radio and the fantastic podcast, says Melissa. Now, how can you get our Times Radio show, Jane? Well, thank you very much indeed for asking, and I'm here to furnish you with the relevant information. Times Radio is available on DAB, digital radio, on all good radio sets. You just twiddle your knob until you get to T. Now, that comes after... It's a long way away from some of the other radio stations, isn't it? Alphabetically speaking. <laughs> T for times. Yes. Uh, so you have to go to the end of the line. I like to think of it as kind of Uxbridge, Upminster. It's Upminster on the district line. That's where you'll find Times Radio. It's about right, isn't it? It is right. Uh, but you can also just download the Times Radio app and you can listen for free. And I think that's slightly simpler. It doesn't cost you anything to listen to Times Radio on the Times Radio app. It also gives you access on the unique dial, relatively unique, uh, to other of Wireless Group's radio stations. Yes, so you can just you can flick through tunes and all sorts, yeah. talk sports here. Talk sport, and some of them will play Toto's Africa. Dun, 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 Serengeti. <laughs> this range. <laughs> 
the worst song ever. I don't think it is the worst it song bloody ever. well is. It is. It is the worst song ever. Back to premium bonds. A subject we discussed in our new Money Matters slot on Monday with Adam Shaw. I think Shaw. Under the Moon of Love by Shawada Waddy is the worst song ever. Dance Yourself Dizzy by Liquid Gold. That's pretty shit. <laughs> She'll be here a while. That is pretty shit. Okay. Um, thank you. Anyway, back to Melissa on the subject of premium bonds. I did a show called Whose Baby when I was 10 in 1976. Now, I remember this show. I think it was ITV, or as we called it in those days, The Other Side. Uh, I did a show called Whose Baby when I was 10 in 1976. My mum is an actress and was well known at the time. I'd love to know who her mum is or was uh, my payment for this appearance was 10 quids worth of premium bonds i mean that's not desperately generous even in 76 that's not particularly generous is it all my life i've checked in on them i agree with you i love checking that website and app to see if i've won but i never have i'll always remember my time on whose baby and i live in hope that one day the bonds will come through for me imagine if they did well, they might what yeah. was the premise of Whose Baby? Was that like an early Jeremy Kyle? No, it was... No. Oh, no. No, no, it was nothing to do with the, you're the... Fight, take a DNA. No, it was a gentle show. I was joking. Though. Yeah, no, yeah. I, it was a gentle so, show. And I'm, I'm wondering, was it Derek Beatty who presented it, who is a man who was a very nice Geordie accent, and he also did Mr and Mrs. Yes. Um, and I always remember this. My mum and dad once took part in a Mr and Mrs contest at the local cricket club. They they did so badly. It was all my dad's fault. The the atmosphere in the house for weeks after. Well, it was a very dangerous, oh, dangerous my God. format. It was terrible. Anyway, uh, back to Who's Baby, which I don't think was hosted by Derek Beatty, but it was someone like that. And um, you were you just a, a small person came on, and you had to guess which celebrity might be a parent. I mean, it's, you're right. It's when you think it's about it. <laughs> It's a bit dangerous, isn't it? Melissa, tell us more about it. Email back, please. Jane and Fee at times.radio. Ten quid's worth of premium bonds. I'd have told them where they could stick it. God, I can just I can just feel the litigation coming on in that show. <laughs> Oof. Uh, yeah. Hi, Fee and Jane. Jane and Fee, last time I wrote to you, it was to advise Fee against trying to learn how to do the splits during lockdown. I'd recently tried to do the same to impress my then eight-year-old and quickly realised that my 40-plus body wasn't designed for the splits. I tore a muscle in my bum and struggled to sit comfortably for the next three months. Uh, so, Sarah, I was so grateful to you for making me stop doing that uh, because uh, it just would have been awful if that had happened I'm not saying that it wouldn't be awful anytime but during a lockdown you know I think where the only thing that you could do was actually sit comfortably somewhere yeah. so that would be an absolute pointless so thank you for that um, but also Sarah goes on to make some really fantastic points because uh, she had listened to yesterday's podcast where we were talking about the sound print app mm -hmm. which is the one that tells you if the music or the sound levels are extremely loud and actually dangerously loud in places that you visit out and about and Sarah says I started losing my hearing in my late 30s and I now wear two hearing aids my family and friends accept that when we go out to eat or for a drink we may have to move tables or just change restaurants completely if the sound levels are too high and most recently on my son's 10th birthday we moved tables three times to try and find the optimal space where I stood some chance of being able to hear him and the rest 
rest of the family. Until I started losing my hearing, I had no idea how prevalent it is. One in five people in the UK have hearing loss. It's a lot, isn't it? That's an incredible amount, yeah. And Sarah goes on to say, I actually feel really hopeful uh, now because I'm convinced that people will start voting with their feet with apps like Soundprint. I think people will start selecting restaurants that take the time to think about and promote their credentials as hearing-friendly environments. And actually, uh, Soundprint has been set up by a guy who has exactly your problem, is wearing hearing aids, and he uh, struggled to find recommendations for quiet restaurants when he was dating. And obviously he wanted to be able to go out on a date and be able to hear the conversation mm. between him and a stranger and it would be difficult wouldn't it to just be it would be it we would add an extra thing on a mm. first date uh, so he set it up in uh, america uh, and it's much bigger in america than it is over here but obviously it's one of those things that the more we all use it the bigger it will get mm. and he's not doing it for money uh, so I think it's just a fantastic thing to download yeah. and the bigger we can make it, the better. No, it, it, it sounds like a really, really sensible idea, which is clearly hugely helping people. I am interested too in hearing aids because uh, genetically speaking, I think it's very likely that I will end up with a hearing aid um, at some time. And uh, listening to other people talking about using them, they're not that easy to get to grips with. And uh, because I think you hear not only, well, people I'm sure will email to tell us what it's like to use hearing aids, but I think they're they're genuinely quite hard to get used to. And some noises are really, really loud. And I know that some people almost treat themselves to time away from their hearing aids because wearing them isn't the easiest thing. It's important in certain circumstances to be able to hear clearly, but they're not always the... Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm talking from a position of not knowing, as you can probably tell, uh, but I do I think... think you very well. You know, I, well I'm, <laughs> thank you, that's very supportive. <laughs> but it's clear I don't know what the hell I'm talking about, but I am interested in this as a subject. So do let us know, what is it like to start wearing hearing aids for the first time and how long does it take to fully adapt to them and when do they start to properly help rather than irritate. Mm. Uh, just one final thing from Sarah, who wants to let all of our listeners know about um, a group that meets every month to chat and support each other. She says, laugh about the highs and lows of hearing loss. And you can find that group by typing Hear Me Out and Eventbrite into your search engine. So thank you for all of that, Sarah. You have... You, so... You're relevant on many, many levels and we're extremely grateful for your input. And just one more comment um, that you didn't really want to hear. I was in my mid-30s, says Claire. My youngest was a couple of months old and I got myself a bit more together. You know, I'd had my first post-birth haircut. I was back in my normal clothes and I was able to leave my children with a couple of... A, for, with my husband... <laughs> with a couple of husbands, to leave my children with my husband for a couple of hours of shopping. I needed to buy a new monitor for my computer, so I went into a store and there was an attractive young man in his early 20s who assisted me. I realised he was sort of flirting with me a little bit. I thought to myself, actually, this is just what I need. And I indulged in a bit of completely harmless banter, fluttering my eyelashes just a teeny tiny bit. I suddenly felt in that moment... The whole thing had given me a real boost of confidence. As I completed my purchase, he asked me if, he, if I wanted to keep the monitor box. And then he said, because if you're anything like my mum, you probably keep hold of all the packaging, don't you? I have never forgotten this, nor have my very lovely but very annoying university friends who will bring this story up with great hilarity on any occasion that they feel it necessary. Thank you, Claire. I think he was flirting with you. I don't think he meant that comment about his mother. 
I don't keep packaging and I'm a woman of a certain age. Not at all. I cast it all aside because deep down I'm still young and frisky. You certainly are. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Uh, right, it's Jane and Fee at Times.Radio. If you'd like to contribute to whatever this guff is, we love hearing from you. Uh, shall we crack on with the big interview? Yes, it's with one of your old flames, Alan Cummings. <laughs> it's not one of my old flames. I never met the man. In fact, we did a very nice chat on Zoom. Uh, is the bit still in the interview, Eve, where he throws the question back to me? Oh, it threw me. What, it uh, absolutely okay. threw me. Well, was he a bit cheeky? No, so it's just quite early on. We were talking about age because his latest stage show is called Alan Cumming is not acting his age. He wanted to do a show about the pressures of ageing, uh, the pressures to have cosmetic treatments and all of that kind of stuff. And especially as somebody who's you know in the public eye and dependent in a way on his appearance. So we're having this lovely chat about ageing and then he suddenly asks me about my ageing thing. I was so thrown by it, Jane, because that's not what happens. I ask the question. <laughs> Do you know who I am? <laughs> no, but in the interview kind of, you know, thing... But what, be specific, what did he ask you? Well, you're about to hear it. Yeah, but uh, just tempt me. Oh, okay, well, it's just about how I feel about ageing. But mm. uh, but I just apologise in you're advance. You're the time of your life. Because it just completely threw me. I was just like, what, 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 what are you asking me for? Anyway, he's such a nice chap. Uh, there's an awful lot of strings to his bow. Uh, so we would know him, I think, primarily as an actor. He's been in things like The Good Wife. He was lovely in The Good Wife, actually. Was he, can I ask it, was he heterosexual in The Good Wife? He was Eli. Yes, I think so. Was he? Okay. He was a kind of slightly Machiavellian, almost. Um, uh, yes, a kind of spin doctor type character. Oh, okay. He was 
ever so good. Mm. Uh, but he's also been in Sex and the City. He's won all of the Tonys, the Olivier's. Yes. He's huge in oh, America, darling. Goodness, Absolutely yeah. huge. Uh, but he's quite a political animal too. And I've seen him most recently cropping up on Laura Koonsberg saying uh, very interesting things about the state of politics in this country. He's a lifelong supporter of the SNP and we talk about that in this interview. And one thing that you need to know too is that he is also the host of the US series of Traitors, uh, which features in this, uh, I think it's the second season over there, the former Speaker of the House of Commons, John Burko. Now, we can't work out why John Burko is in no. the US series of The Traitors. What he's bringing to that televisual party, I can't imagine. But he's obviously got a big agent and he's being flogged over there as a personality. So we discuss that too. Mm. But we do start with the age thing because it's obviously bothering Alan. Or is it? I Well, I don't feel my actual age in terms of how I used to think, you know, this age should feel. Um, I, I'm about to turn 59. So, you know, in, in just over a year, I'll be 60, which just... I find hilarious. I just find hilarious that I'm 60. I I don't, I mean, I've been thinking a lot about what age I do feel. I think perhaps it's because since since I was in my sort of era, about 33 or so, I feel that's when I kind of got into my groove as a person. And my life has sort of, it's obviously my life has changed quite radically since then and many things have happened. But the sort of kind of person I am and the sort of way I live my life, hasn't changed that. I mean, I do all the things that I, I still do all the things that I used to do when I was 33. So it's not that I go around feeling that I'm 33, but really the whole thing about uh, the show is more about me sort of wanting to challenge the who these people are that decide how we should behave in our lives, uh, how you should behave at a certain age, you know, what is age appropriateness. And I feel for me, it's just about not letting those people dictate to you who how you should live your life and actually staying open to possibility and to adventure and just being curious, actually, just really, it's just about being curious in your life. And that to me is not acting your age, actually. Now, who are these people that you're railing against? It's so funny. I, I, th- I think of them as a sort of little panel of people with white coats and clipboards and tight sphincters, probably Daily Mail readers. And I, I just that's who they are. I don't know who they are. I just think that's sort of, you know, society, these people that sort of it's a sort of thing, you you know, you've got to, when you get to a certain age, your principal source of exercise has to be golf, things like that. You wear more cardigans. I just think those are the edicts that we sort of kind of by osmosis start to practice. And uh, I just don't understand why. I don't understand why. I also don't understand why we as a culture worship at the altar of youth and just how we, you know, the only thing we think, we only equate beauty with youth. And in other cultures, we don't do that. Other cultures actually admire and venerate their elders and the process of getting older. And that that kind of troubles me too, that we don't do that. Do you think that you're more attractive now than you were when you were younger? I think, uh, yes, actually. I think I have grown into myself, grown into my body. I mean, obviously, I think, you know, you look at yourself when you're younger and you think, well, I was archetypally hotter because I was younger, I was skinnier, I was whatever. My lips were fuller all that sort of stuff. Um, but I actually think I'm more attractive because I'm more authentic and more um, comfortable in my body and my and in my skin. Yeah. Do you? Oh, fantastic. Feel more attractive now than when you... <laughs> it took me by surprise. Uh, uh, <laughs> I've, I've loved everything that you've said there um, because I think that I'm definitely more comfortable with how I look but I know that other people 
don't think that I am as attractive as I maybe once was. And I have a constant thing in my head about that. And what it does to me is it just makes me want to prove myself in other ways because the plastic surgery route and the trying to stay young route and all of that kind of stuff is just, it's not for me. So I feel yeah, a, a really a really weird pressure to, to kind of... Um, I don't know. Sort of excel in other ways. Yes, exactly that. Exactly that. And sometimes I do have to have a bit of a think about that because I just think, well, well, bloody hell, why, why am I having to do that? <laughs> why, why, do I, I why do I feel that? Well, that's sort of a, a societal pressure, isn't it? That's, that, that is about this thing of, 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 of only... I mean, it's so crazy. We're all getting older. It happens to everyone. It's, it is inexorable that we're going to get more wrinkly get more, you know, less skinny, all these things. Um, our hair is going to go grey. That's just what happens. And yet, and so we've decided, we've allowed it to be, we've creatively visualised it to be the worst possible thing that can happen to us. I really enjoy getting older. I really love the experience of having wisdom and having understanding of things and feeling more comfortable. I mean, this whole, this whole show came about because I was doing a show called Daddy, a play in New York a couple of years ago called Daddy, in which I had to be naked for long periods of time. And I was 50, 57 or something at the time, and completely naked for, you know, swathes of good 10, 20 minutes and things. And just how people reacted to that was was really fascinating. And being objectified in that way at that age, uh, it sort of hadn't happened. My bo- I hadn't been objectified about my body in the same way for quite a long time. I think the thing is, when you're a man, you go from being like hot and then you go handsome and then you go, you know, silver fox and then you kind of become a daddy. And that daddy is a sort of a new way of being seen as sort of a, a sexual being. And I think for women, they don't have that. They don't have, have the daddy bit, bit to arrive at. No, we don't. They just kind of, um, <laughs> no. No, that's really interesting. But in what way was your body objectified? So did people write about the fact that your body simply looked older? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and they wrote about my penis. I mean, everything. They wrote, I mean, like you know, in the reviews, they sort of. One of them said, "If you've ever wanted, if you've ever wondered if Alan Cumming is circumcised, this is the play for you." <laughs> I kind of thought they would focus more on the, the younger guy who was naked, and it, it was more about me, and I just found that really fascinating. Do you feel a pressure to um, to do any of the kind of cosmetic treatments and stuff like that? Uh, in order to enhance your appearance? I, no, I mean, I've made a big, strong decision not to do that. I, I, I joke that I'm going to be the only person on American TV not to have had Botox. Um, I think, I, in fact, I think I am. Uh, and and it's funny, the other day, I, you know, I'm doing a lot of interviews about this topic and uh, uh, there was a girl, a younger woman I, I um, was interviewed by and I said that and she said, gosh, Alan, I hope you take this the right way, but... And I mean it as a compliment, but you look like you have had Botox. <laughs> I thought that was absolutely hilarious. Now, and also, that, that's the problem, that, you know, everybody does it. So that if you don't do it, you're the freak. You look weird. And so I am, I am aware of the pressures. I don't, I don't feel like I'm not going to do it. So that's that. You know, I'm also a man, so that eases the pressure somewhat because, um, you know, we get to be handsome and we get to be a daddy and we get to be older, as I said. So you see people writing and talking about how you look all the time. And of course, they say, oh, he's getting older or, you know, blah, 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 or he's aging well and things like that. So even when it's a compliment, it's still a reminder of your decay. 
So, but I'm actually sort of embracing my decay. I think that's what this show is about. I'm actually saying, yeah, I am decaying in front of you, but I'm still enjoying myself and I'm still looking after myself and I'm still feeling good and, and actually probably feeling better. Yeah, you're still very much in work though, aren't you? Um, so, yes. you know, your ability to age gracefully is not hampering your ability to, um, you know, still get all of the parts and all of the roles. And one of them is as the host of the US Traitors, isn't it? Which we are enjoying yes. season two of the UK Traitors in this country at the moment. Yours is a little bit different in America because it has some celebrities in it or all celebrities in it. Last year, last first season, I had half real people, half celebrities. This year, it's all celebrities. This features uh, John Burko, doesn't it? The former speaker yes. of the house yes yes now randomly he's one of the celebrities it's so nuts i mean there's one of these little films that they're doing the promo things for i and like i interviewed them all and, and there's so each one's got a me interviewing them and the one for john it's i just go why are you doing this <laughs> and he sort of says, well you know, i want what i want to be outside my comfort zone and i was like oh yes the old comfort zone theory i i uh i found him hilarious hilarious in a good way or hilarious in a bad way. I mean, he is a, he's a um, he's a convicted serial bully, Alan, isn't he? That's uh, yes. That's oh, I'm aware. Of, yep. I'm very aware of that. Why he didn't get his uh, parliamentary um, pass back? Uh, so yes, is that at all difficult? You know, the politicians who who then manage to kind of fail upwards in the world of celebrity. Uh, yes, I think it is a. A terrible indictment of our society actually i think it's you know someone abuses their position in public office and they get to go on um i'm a celebrity get me out of here or whatever and you know and are kind of able to do a sort of in some way be like a sort of phoenix rising from the gossip page ashes um and we we let them and we encourage them and we enjoy it uh, with John, I mean, yes, I was very aware of his bullying. I mean, in some way, I, it was actually fun, very satisfying for me to kind of give him a hard time and to sort of, and, you know, I'm very, my, I play a sort of character in this in this show. I, I, I mean, I'm hosting it, but I'm sort of playing this sort of, you know, stern, James Bond baddie sort of person. So John gets out and I say, John, come over and stand by the obelisk failure. You have disappointed yourself and you've disappointed me. And he went, I appreciate you, Alan. That's what he said. <laughs> and so it was actually satisfying to, I mean, I wasn't bullying him, but I was kind of just giving him a hard time. I was just sort of not letting him, not, I wasn't letting it, I mean, with all of them, I do that. I don't let anything go. Um, but it's actually really nice to sort of see people who are made to be team players when maybe they're not. Oh, interesting way of putting it. You're also a, a, a man who's very happy to exist in the real world with real opinions. And I've heard you talk before about politics. Uh, you're, are you a member of the SNP? I am. Yeah. yeah. So a, life, a lifelong member. I mean, I, you know, I've got a lifelong membership. What do you think the future for the SNP is? <laughs> Gosh, that's a big question. I mean, I think at the moment it's about, and I think this is where Hamza Yosef, the first minister, is doing such a good job. It's about sort of calming the waters after the fallout of Nicola resigning and then this police investigation and, you know, the kind of very acrimonious 
um, leadership election campaign. And I think he's done a really good job in doing so. Now, I think it's about sort of rediscovering, or hopefully getting this police. I don't understand why this police investigation is still not resolved. I mean, it seems insane. It's almost a year now, maybe not nine months or something. Um, but also kind of get re-harnessing the energy. And of course, the whole thing about the election, uh, you know, this uh, an election year is obviously something that um, is going to sort of be very important. And I mean, to me, I think what we've got to do is make people realise how strangled Scotland is by the Westminster government. It's not allowed. The Westminster government doesn't allow Scotland to have a referendum that Scotland wants to have. The Parliament voted for it. Scottish Parliament voted for it. And the Westminster government said, no, you can't do it. And there's been two other bills, the uh, trans bill and a uh, thing about recycling that the, again, you know, democratically elected Scottish Parliament voted for, passed, and then the Westminster government said, no, you can't do that, Scotland. So what? where do you go from there? And, and if there wasn't, a, I don't see how there could ever be a better uh, case for Scotland to have independence, to self-determine, to stop another government that it didn't vote for. Uh, telling it that it can't actually do the things that its own parliament has actually voted for. It's undemocratic. So you must be disappointed at where the SNP lie in the polls at the moment, uh, because it's looking like uh, quite a tough fight ahead for them. Do you believe that you will see Scottish independence within your lifetime? I do. You know, Keir Starmer is going to be the next prime minister and there's going to be a big turn towards Labour after this disastrous Tory government. And 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 because of that, I think, yes, the, you know, the reason there's 50 something Scottish MPs at the moment is because it was a big protest vote after, about uh, Brexit and everything. You know, after Scotland did not vote for Brexit and yet it's had to face the consequences. So obviously there's going to be less Scottish National Party MPs in Westminster. That's clear. However, the polls for independence within Scotland are at their highest and it hasn't been like that uh, i don't know for for many many years so that to me is heartening that even with all the stuff that's been happening and the sort of you know sort of scandal i suppose with the scottish national party police investigation thing and even with the rise of uh, the resurgence of labor nationally actually people still want you know you can vote labor and still want to have independence you can vote conservative and still want to have independence so that to me is heartening. I just think it's going to be an interesting year because it's, we're going to have to sort of reassess and once the election's over and find our voice. And I think also, you know, I'm really interested to see what Keir Starmer will do. I mean, he's been making, uh, you know, making it clear that he doesn't want to, he doesn't think Scotland should get a referendum. I feel like, well, you're going to start your new tenure as a prime minister by supporting an undemocratic act. Uh, not letting us have a referendum. But when Tony Blair got in in 1997, one of the first he things he did was pave the way for a referendum for the, the Scottish devolution and the setup of the Scottish Parliament, the same Scottish Parliament now Westminster's uh, taking powers away from. So I hope, I really hope that Keir Starmer and the Labour Party will do the right thing and at least allow a referendum to happen. Uh, final question about American politics, if I may, because you spend a lot of time in America. Uh, do you have dual citizenship there? I do. Right. I'm a citizen. Uh, I'm an American citizen as well as a 
British one. Lovely. Uh, so you're paying taxes in two places. Uh, so you get to have um, political, yes, political rights in two places. Um, I know that yes. you endorsed Bernie Sanders back in 2016. Uh, so yes, I did. who is knocking on your door for an endorsement at the moment? And do you think that we are going to see Biden versus Trump? Uh, yes, I do think we're going to see Biden versus Trump, unfortunately. I And there's nobody knocking on my door for a presidential uh, endorsement because it's, you know, when a sitting president is, says he wants to run again, everybody backs down, sadly, I think. And Joe Biden is, you know, obviously I'm going to vote for him. I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure he wins. But, and, you know, as are <laughs> hopefully most people uh, who voted for him last time, but because the alternative is unthinkable. But he does disappoint me because he said he wasn't going to run for a second time and he was going to you know, hand the baton on to someone younger. And I think the fact that that sort of hubris that he has, um, he is displaying about what, you know, in, in running again is sort of, um, it's kind of a manifestation of this problem in America in general, where people who are in, people just keep going on and keep stay too long. Like, like Nancy Pelosi is running again. She's in her well in her eighties. The Diane Feinstein, the, the 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 senator for um, California. I mean, she just died recently. She was like ninety or something, and she wouldn't resign. Mitch McConnell, the the the, the Republican, was is falling over, having a stroke in public, and he's still hanging on. We've got. I don't understand what it is. Maybe it's partly to do with the whole sort of you know rise of plastic surgery in this way that we've got to pretend to be younger all the time. That people who are obviously too old to be doing the job they're doing. And I think Biden, as much as I admire him, he's too old. It's like he's got this really, really important job and he needs to not, he needs to hand it over to someone younger. I mean, there's a reason why we have, uh, you know, people retire. It's you're supposed to, and you're supposed to let other people do it. And you've got to, you can relax and you can pass down your wisdom, but don't be at the center of things when clearly, um, you're too old to. And, and Trump, I, I think of Trump, you know, there's obviously, signs on in both of their uh, behaviors of um, uh, kind of medical issues that you don't really want the president of the United States to be having. So when you say that to your American friends and possibly even go further and ask the question, what would happen, you know, if either of these two candidates died whilst they were campaigning mm -hmm. to become president or once they were in office, uh, you know, what do what do your friends say? Do, it, and can you say that actually can you be that honest with people because that seems to be the very very I mean, obvious thing from i mean i say this i i'm not uh this is not you know a secret that i've told you i have said this before but the thing is there is no alternative because that's the way it works and that sadly is the way it works and nobody is going to sort of i mean gavin newsom who's the governor of california who's much younger and i think is great actually i wish he were running he and he did a sort of a, a town hall thing with um Ron DeSantis and kind of wiped the floor with him. And I thought that was, I mean, it's kind of, he's sort of circling. He would be, he seems to be the obvious choice as the next sort of, you know, heir apparent in the Democratic Party as leader. But um, there is nothing you can do. Like Biden has said he's running and that's what happens. He's, he's running. Um, if he died, you know, obviously if he died during office, then Kamala Harris would take over. I feel that she's been, you know, there's sort of rumours they are not, they don't get on. And it's a very difficult role being the vice president. You don't, you know, you can kind of get sidelined. 
I think Biden, when he when Obama was president, was the most sort of involved vice president that people um, uh, could remember. But there's nothing to be done, sadly. And it's just in the same way that there's nothing really to be done. You know, Trump, unless he does go to prison before the election, is going to be the Republican nominee. And it's just a tragic state of affairs that that is the case. And and also the fact that America, there's no other democracy in the world that only has two political parties. And it's a massive country. There's over 300 million people. There's only two political parties. So it just is team sports. It's just your side or my side when it comes to politics. And people don't listen. They don't analyze and discuss. They just shout at each other like a football match. And that, I think, is another problem with the political system there. Alan Cumming and tickets for his one-man show, Alan Cumming is not acting. His age are available now. Uh, you'd just be able to catch him in London, but then also in Glasgow and in Manchester. I saw him briefly on Laura Coons, but I thought I'm going to be mature and I'm going to be a journalist. I'm going to watch the Laura Coons oh, show. Oh, well done. Yes. But then I stopped watching. I can't oh. remember why. I think the phone rang. Okay. But I was I had it on. And I don't see, you know, I love, Laura's a nice woman, isn't she, we should say. She's a brilliant um, woman. Yeah. And she did two interviews this week, one with David Cameron and with Keir Starmer. And they were so good. Mm. I mean, she just, so professional. Yeah. And, you know, and definitely. Not that our colleagues here are not professional. All of the right questions. No, but we're big enough to be able to say that, you know, oh, some, nice. some people back at the old school are still doing well, Jane. I think we're allowed to say that. Oh, I really like what Alan Cumming said, just in a very honest way, uh, just about the age of the, you know, potentially the two candidates for the US presidency. But I just, I don't know why more people aren't saying it. It's crackers. But exactly that, and 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 as you know, he's just said in conversation with his friends in America, uh, you know, he he is saying, look. You know, these people might not make it. This is exactly. you know, it's not being rude or offensive no. or ageist. It's just like this is a fact. So what are we doing here? Uh, the idea that they they posture as I mean, we men die before women. That's the other thing. They actually do. Uh, it's not their fault. It's just the way. Hashtag not all men. Not hashtag not all men. Some live forever. Um, no, so far no one has lived forever, and I really am glad they've debunked that idea of that world's oldest dog. That was so. Such a load of dog bollocks. It really was. The dog was clearly not 31. Honestly, that's. I'm, I'm glad these things need to be righted. I've moved on seamlessly from Alan Cumming, Biden and Trump onto the world's not oldest dog. certainly have. Yes, yes, there we go. Yeah. With that, I'm closing my script. Yes, right. this well, is scripted. We've got an awful <laughs> lot of reading to do because we do have uh, Robert Hardman's chunky but delicious new autobiography of Charles III. Yeah, and tomorrow you're interviewing Bethany Hughes. Yes, well, about the seven wonders of yeah, the world. But it's already been explained to us. We haven't got time for seven wonders. We're just going to do two wonders. Yes, we're just going to pick. <laughs> Can I have one from the top and one from the bottom, please, Bethany? <laughs> pick your two favourite wonders. <laughs> Uh, so that'll be fun and very informative because she's very clever and she knows an awful lot of stuff. She certainly is and does. Yeah. So I hope you can join us for that. Enjoy your evening. Wrap up warm wherever you are or if you're somewhere nice and sunny. We don't need to know. No, we really actually do. Well, we don't mind. So join us for our wonders, just a couple, uh, tomorrow. Take care. <laughs> Thank you. 
Well done for getting to the end of another episode of Off Air with Jane Garvey and Fee Glover. Our Times Radio producer is Rosie Cutler and the podcast executive producer is Henry Tribe. And don't forget, there is even more of us every afternoon on Times Radio. It's Monday to Thursday, 3 till 5. You can pop us on when you're pottering around the house or heading out in the car on the school run. Or running a bank. Thank you for joining us and we hope you can join us again on Off Air very soon. Don't be so silly. Running a bank? I know, lady. A lady listener. I'm sorry. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.